you have your Bibles, go with me to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Jonah chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. When you have it, stand with me as we stand for the reading and the reverence of God's word. Jonah chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. To all of our elders and ministers, our deacons, our mothers, to our own wife, Sister Swims, to all of you God's people, what a joy it is to be together again. Didn't have to be this way, but thank God, God has allowed us to be together again. Jonah 2, 9 and 10 says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. Father, we thank you now for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness. God, though hearts are heavy this morning, just with grief, with life, and just circumstances, Lord. I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that we will surrender our hearts to you this morning. That we may be attentive to your word, God. I pray that whatever it is that we may be dealing with, with dealing with right now, God, whatever challenges that may be before us, oh God, whatever things that may be on our minds, oh God, the uncertainty that we have right now about life and our conditions and the way that things are, God, and realizing, oh God, that some things that are happening, we didn't even realize that it would happen. We didn't realize that we'll be back to the same thing again, God. I pray right now for your people. Pray that they will surrender their hearts to you, Father. That they will let you in to come in to do what only you have the power to do, God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we won't allow trouble to keep us from you. That we won't allow afflictions to keep us from you, Lord God. That we won't allow life and how life has been life and oh God to keep us from you, Lord God. I pray that we will get to a place, Father God, that no matter how we feel, I'm so glad to know, God, that if we are grieving, you still want to hear from us, oh God. That when we're confused, you still want to hear from us, oh God. That when we're hurting, you still want to hear from us, oh God. When we're in doubt, you still want to hear from us, oh God. When we don't know, you still desire for us to cry out to you, God. I thank you that we can learn from the ten lepers, oh God. That even though they could not be close to anyone, God, it did not stop them from opening up their mouths and crying out to you, Father God. I pray that no matter where we may be right now in life, oh God, that we will never stop crying out to you. Lord God be big in this space be big in our hearts we trust you God even when we don't like what you've done we trust you God even when we don't understand what you're doing we trust you, God, even when you caught us by surprise. God, we trust you. We ain't got no other choice. And we thank you, Father, that you are the keeper of our minds. You are the keeper of our hearts. You are the keeper of our emotions. You are the keeper of our hearts. Oh, God, you're the keeper of our minds. God, we thank you. We made it up to this point today. It's only been by your grace. It's only been by your mercy. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Come on, just hug somebody near you if you feel comfortable with that fist bump and do something. You never know 
what that hug. You never know what that touch may do for somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you this morning as we go into part two of our series entitled Thank You. I want to talk to you this morning from the topic, Thank You for Another Chance. Thank you for another chance. It was sophomore year of high school. I had just recently gotten my license. I was happy about that, excited about it. You know, when you first get your license, they can ask you to go to the gas station, go to the store. It doesn't make a difference. You're just excited to have that freedom to be able to drive with no one else in the car with you. I was ready to go. Do you need something from Walmart? What do you need? You want to go to Mississippi? I will drive you there myself. I was just excited, uh, Sister Renata, to be able to drive. So I jumped into my father's 1997 Ford Ranger pickup truck. Got in the truck. I'm at the stop sign. And for some reason, my feet got confused. I was meaning to hit the brake, but I end up hitting the gas pedal. I hit the gas pedal, Sister Alicia, and I ran right across the street over into the park, knocked down the fence, and I'm sitting there all confused and in the daze and trying to get myself out because there's no way I can be able to call my daddy and let him know that I have just gotten in an accident in his 1997 Ford Ranger pickup truck. There was no, I'm already thinking in my mind, my driving career is over. Nobody is going to allow me to drive that car after I made this mistake right here and I'm sitting there outside I get outside to assess the situation to see what's going on and then there is a log from the fence that is stuck under stuck under the right tire of the truck so I'm not able to move forward I'm not able to go back all I'm able to do is just stay right there I'm nervous now it's starting to rain brother Walsh I'm trying to figure out what in the world am I going to do how can I go home and tell my daddy I left myself I don't even think cell phones were really popular at that time so I have to walk all the way back to the house I'm rehearsing in my head what I'm going to say to my father how I'm going to explain what how this went down trying to figure out is my driving career over I I get to the house, I'm pacing back and forth. Daddy looks out the car, he looks out the window. He said, Chip, you came back real quick. I said, yes, sir, yeah. I did kind of come back fast, and yeah. And so I'm just pacing around, and he's looking around. He, he's looking around. He steps outside. He says, where's the truck? I said, Willie, I think you need to sit down, sir. And so Daddy sat down. I said, Daddy, I was... I was at the stop sign right there at Stearns and Newport, and I was getting ready to hit the brake, but I ended up hitting the gas, and I went over, and I, and I jumped the curb, and I ran into the fence. Thank God there were no children playing at the park that day, and so I went over. I knocked down the fence, and I got it right by the slide. I said, the car, the truck is over there stuck right now. I cannot get it to go forward. I cannot get it to go backward. Daddy simply said, Chip, let's go get the truck. Nervous, because he that's all he said all the chance was to go get the truck. He ain't said nothing else. I'm just nervous, minister. I'm just thinking to myself, my life is over. Someone please call 911 and have them meet us at the house because I know that my life is over right here. And we get down there, we get the truck. Daddy gets the law out the truck. He's able to back the truck up. He's able to get the truck back to the house. He assesses the situation. He calls the insurance company. By that time, the police shows up. I get a ticket. I'm like, oh, my God. God, how did I get a ticket? Oh, my. I'm sitting there about to cry because I'm still uncertain about what's going to happen. And Daddy, Brother Matthews, has not said anything at all. I need you to say something. Kids, you all know what it's like when your parents, you don't really know how to take them because they're not saying anything. I just need him to say something. Breathe, exhale, do something to let me know where you are so I'll know how much trouble I'm in. Get the ticket, the police officer says, I'm going to have to go to court because of, uh, because of how the whole incident went down and because I walked away. I, sir, I said, sir, there was nobody there at the park. He said, yeah, but you still walked away from the scene. You should have stayed until the police got here. I said, oh, my gosh, I'm about to go to jail. I'll never be able to preach. I'm going to be like Paul having a prison minute, y'all. I'm just going all over the place in my mind and in my emotions. And so we go to court. We're there in court. Daddy still has not said anything. Truck goes into the, the shop, it gets fixed, and we're there at court. And daddy says nothing. Get there, judge says, because it's your 
first offense, we're going to go ahead and, you know, drop it. We're going to move on past it. It was an accident. And the judge just kept saying, just thank God that there were no kids there at the park. I said, yes, praise God that there were no kids there at the park while I was going. And so we're in the car on the way back. I said, I have to break the sounds. I said, Daddy, you ain't said nothing. I said, you've been quiet this whole time. Are you mad? Are you upset? Are you angry? Am I on punishment? Are you taking my keys? Will I be able to drive your car again? Do you still love me? Am I your son? Are you going to put me up for adoption? What are you doing, Willie? I need you to say something to me. And all my father looked at me and said, Chip, this is just a truck. He said, son, you could have lost your life. He said, if you had lost your life, I'll be without a son. But I can always get another truck. I said, well, Daddy, is my driving career over? He said, no, son. I'll give you another chance to drive again. Are there any witnesses in the house this morning that can serve as a witness to the gracious hand of God giving you another chance? Okay, that's one group. Do I have any repeated offenders in the room that one time, one dose of grace was not enough, but that you experienced the grace of God a second time? Okay, that's one group. But what about when you still did what you know that you should not have done, but God extended grace to you a third time? Do I have any multiple offenders in the room that have done things that you should not have done, said things you should not have said, but the grace of God was all over your life? We're in good company this morning. There's a preacher by the name of Jonah whose story stars in Jonah chapter 1 whom God calls to go and to preach to a wicked group of people that lived in a town called Nineveh. Jonah, if you remember anything about the Bible, you learned this in Sunday school 101 growing up. Jonah has the assignment to go and to preach to these wicked people in Nineveh and Jonah makes up in his mind that I'm not going to do what God has called me to do. Jonah says, okay, God, no, I, I, I understand what the assignment is, but I'm not really feeling that. I'm going to go ahead and go in the opposite direction and do what I desire to do because I don't feel like what you have called me to do is really what I should be doing right now at this moment in this time in my life. Jonah did the direct opposite. He, God told him to go to Nineveh. He went a totally different direction. And deliberately and intentionally disobeying God and God at his word that he made up in his mind that I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to follow my own will and not do what God has called for me to do. Now you all realize and know that whenever you disobey God, it does not just go without notice that you disobey God. That there are always consequences whenever we make a decision not to obey God. You all do realize that life is all about choices and whatever choice that you and I make, there will always be consequences for our actions. Doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Doesn't matter what your title may be. Doesn't matter how long you served in the church. Life is all about choices. And whatever you decide to do, there will always be consequences behind your actions. Sometimes those consequences can be good and sometimes those consequences can be not so good. Jonah, in chapter 1, verse 3 says, Jonah jumped up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found the ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the, from, from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Jonah had it all planned out. Here it is, God. I'm not going to do what you told me to do. I'm not going to even be in the same vicinity that you desire for me to go. I'm going to go the opposite direction because I want to get as far away as I can from doing your will. Jonah gets there on the boat. Boat starts rocking. Boat gets real wavy. 
wind is blowing at an all-time high. And everybody there on the boat are fearing for their lives. The desperate, the sailors are shouting to their gods because they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. All was well. We were smooth sailing real good. The ship was going real nice. But all of a sudden, we have this wind and this wave that has hit this boat. And now the boat is going all wild and crazy. And these experienced sailors don't know what to do that they now begin to call on their gods because they think their life is about to end. Here's a lesson for us to be able to know right here that your disobedience, oh God help me this morning, does not just impact your life but it impacts the life of those that are around you. There are people that are experiencing some windiness in their lives not because they've done something because you've done something, you know, connect yourselves with them, and now they're fearful. Now they're not really sure what's going to happen in life. That's what's happened to Jonah right now. He's on the boat, and they're scared, and they're nervous, Amber, and they don't know what's going on. They're trying to figure out what has happened, not realizing that Jonah is the reason why this has happened to them. And here it is, thanks to God. It's a dangerous thing when other people are the beneficiaries of your mistakes, but yet you fail to take responsibility. Oh, then it was a holy hush in the church. You failed to take responsibility for what you have done. Look at it right there, saints. It's right there in the Bible. Now they're getting ready to cast lots because they're trying to figure out somebody has offended uh, Somebody has offended God. Somebody has done something that has made God mad, and that's why we're experiencing these things that we are right now in our life. And Jonah does not say a mumbling word. Can I preach to somebody this morning and just say, all you need to do is just take responsibility for your actions. All you need to do is stop blaming the devil and the enemy and everybody else and take responsibility for your own actions and realizing the reason why my life is the way that it is. It is not because of my baby mama. It's not because of my baby daddy. It's not because of my mama or daddy not being there. It is because I made some wrong choices in life and here it is. I'm experiencing the consequences of my actions and sadly so there are people around me that are experiencing high winds because of me. Jonah knows that he disobeyed God. Jonah knows that he's out of order. But what does Jonah do? Sit there on the boat. He keeps on sailing on the boat. He keeps on rocking on the boat as if nothing has happened and he's failed to realize that he is the reason why the boat is rocking. He's the reason why life is the way that it is. Look at verse 8. It says, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your, what is your nationality? Because they realized, wait a minute now, we were doing good until that brother, that brother over there got on from Tarshish. We were, going, we were rolling real nice until Jonah got on the boat. Bible says that Jonah identifies themselves and tells them who he is and they were all afraid they were all terrified because they knew that they, they knew that now we were in trouble because of this guy and so now Jonah takes responsibility in verse 12 and he says why don't you just throw me over into the sea <laughs> he said throw me over into the sea and as soon as they got rid of Jonah what does the Bible say then there was a calmness again to the boat oh man I I don't want to say this, but I got to say it. Sometimes, saints of God, we're our problem. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I know it's tight, but let me say it again because nobody said nothing. And maybe that's a good thing that you didn't say anything. Sometimes, saints of God, it's not nobody else's issue. Sometimes we are our own issues because we fail to look at the choices that we have made in life. We fail to recognize the fact that I'm where I am in life, not because of anybody else. I'm where I am in life because of choices that I may have made or did not make. And now it's not time for me to go around the mountain and trying to figure out what's going on. Now it's time for me to take responsibility and to own up for what I've done. And to eliminate myself out of other people's lives so that they can be able to have peace again. Bible says that as soon as, as soon as, they, as soon as they dumped him over into the sea that there was a calmness now to, to the sea. Jonah finds himself in the belly 
of a whale. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Here it is, saints. Gratitude, thanksgiving. It's not always inspired by what God has done for us. It can also result from what God did not allow to happen. Ooh, I wish I had a church right there. I said sometimes thanksgiving and gratitude is not always inspired by what God has done for us. That's all well and good because anybody can be able to praise God and thank God when everything is good. Everybody can be able to praise God when your bank account is looking real good. Everybody can be able to shout when your relationship is real nice. Everybody can shout when you're in good health. Everybody can shout when your family is doing well. Everybody can shout when you got a promotion at work. Everybody can shout when all is well in your life. But sometimes it takes us looking a little bit deeper, Carla, and not just see what God has allowed to happen for us in our lives. But sometimes we have to look in a little bit deeper and to be able to show appreciation and gratitude for God for what he did not allow to happen to us. Do you realize the accidents that you have missed? Do you realize some of the incidents does not just you, but you and your kids and your kids' kids did not experience in your life? It's not that we've been so good. It's not that we've been so kind. It's not that we've dotted every I. It's not that we've crossed every T. It is because God has been good and gracious and kind enough not to give us what we deserve, but to give us grace and more grace and more grace and more grace and more grace time and time after again after we pleaded with God and said God if you bring me out this time I'll never go back but here we are with our trifling selves find ourselves right back in deeper to the same thing and we cry out to a gracious God God if you get me out again I'll never go back and here it is God that brings us out time and time and time and time and time again and you sit there and you realize oh my God it was God that brought me out it was God that protected me even in the midst of my ignorance so our praise, our gratitude our thanksgiving should not just be what God has done our praise, our thanksgiving our gratitude has to be God thank you for not allowing what could have happened to be able to happen Here we are. Look at how we're looking. Still in a global pandemic. And millions of people have lost their lives and the lives of loved ones. And here we are breathing God's air. Here we are looking as good as we are. That's a reason to be able to give God praise. It could have been us. Oh. Oh, here we are, here we are, here we are, here we are, here we are. Stuck on God not doing what we thought that he should do. And we fail to recognize the fact that God has been so kind that he did not allow certain things to happen to us that could have happened to us, that we were in the right place at the right time. But yet still God blocked it and protected us. In spite of us. Here's something that we can learn about God and how God works sovereignly in our lives to be able to give us another chance. Here it is. God knows how to get our attention. That's what I love about God. Because it's almost like parenting. You have to parent each child differently. You can't parent them all the same. I can just look at Carrie and she'll freeze. I can look at Kenny. And she gonna look at me. And sometimes she'll get bold enough and ask, Daddy, why are you looking at me like that? I can stand up when it comes to Carrie, and Carrie will bag on down. I stand up when it comes to Kenny, and she'll get the step stool to step up. <laughs> God is just like a parent 
that knows how to get the attention of each of his children. God can pop some on the hands, others he has to tackle to get them down because they're stubborn and they're hard-headed. <laughs> Somebody said me. God knew exactly how to be able to get Jonah's attention. God says, all right. He says, the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. So I'm going to use nature to capture Jonah's attention to get him to stop. Because here's the good news of the text, you all. Here's the good news of the story. Oh, God is so sovereign that whatever he has called us to do, there is nothing that we can do, there is nothing that we can say to stop us from fulfilling the call that God has on our lives. We may delay the call that God has on our lives, but there's nothing that you and I can do can stop what God has called for us to do. God says, listen, I don't care what Jonah does. I don't care what he says. He's going to go to Nineveh and to preach to these people. I don't care what he did. He can run, but he can't hide. He can talk a good game. He can do whatever. It doesn't make a difference. He's going to go to Nineveh and fulfill this mission. And so God knew how to get his attention. Look at verse 4, chapter 1. But the Lord had a great wind come over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. God knew how to track Jonah down. God knew how to be able to get to Jonah. Jonah should have realized that even by me jumping on this boat to get away and going to the opposite direction that God has called me to go, that nothing can keep me from God, nothing can separate, from me, separate me from God, nothing can stop God from being God in my life and pushing me to be able to fulfill the call and the mission that he has for my life. God says, all right, wherever he is, I'm going to meet him there. Here it is, thanks to God. You and I need discernment enough to be able to recognize the fact, is the storm that I have in my life, is this the enemy? Is this God? Or is this a result of my actions? Or is it a combination of all three? Jonah's there on the boat. We looked at this a few minutes ago. The boats are rocking. The sailors are nervous. Everybody is scared because they're not sure what's going to happen. Here's a lesson that you and I can be able to learn from this is this, that not all storms in our lives are orchestrated by the enemy. Not all storms are orchestrated by the enemy. Sometimes I think we give the enemy too much credit. We, we, we do a little bit too much promotion for him and marketing for him. Oh, my gosh, the enemy is on my back. No, he's not. Jonah is experiencing what he's experiencing because God allowed for the wind to come so strong to shake the boat, to wake him up, to get him to take responsibility for his actions so that the other people would not have to live in the horror that they were experiencing because of him. It's because the rocking of the boat that Jonah now takes ownership. There are some things in life that God knows that we are too stubborn and hard-headed that we will never admit to unless he gets some, unless he starts rocking some stuff. God realized each of my children are different. I can pop their hand and they'll come right back and get right back into position. But God realized with Jonah, he's a little bit different. I'm going to allow for some stuff to rock in his life to wake him up so that he can be able to take ownership for what he's done and leave everybody else out of it. But all storms are orchestrated by the enemy. Some things have been initiated by Almighty God to get us back to where we need to be. Y'all missed that right there. I said some things are orchestrated by God to get us back to where we need to be. That's why David said it was good for me that I was afflicted. 
David said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Why? Because that's where I learned the value of your word. It was there that I learned how to be able to seek you. Sometimes we don't experience God in the fullness that we need to until he inserts a little bit of pain. Because God can be able to use pain to be able to get the glory out of our lives. Because here it is, thank you, Holy Spirit. God is not after our comfort, but he's after us getting into position to be able to fulfill his will. So he's using nature. He's using the world around him to be able to get Jonah's attention, to get him right back on track to where he needs to be. And it's up to you and I to be discerning enough to be able to recognize the fact, is this the enemy? Is this because of my actions? Or is this God? And sometimes, thanks to God, what we're giving the devil credit for is really God. That he's the one that's working behind the scenes and using the shaking and the rocking of the boat in our lives to get us back on track. Not only does, not, does God know how to get our attention, but God also knows where to get our attention. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. <laughs> then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish all this time Jonah ain't prayed he ain't talked about God he wasn't thinking about God he ain't sought God but as soon as Jonah get swallowed up by the fish, his prayer life goes up a notch. Oh, we're laughing, but many of us in this room are just like Jonah. We weren't praying no other time until we got in trouble. We weren't praying no other time until the boat started rocking. We, just, we weren't praying no other time until we got overwhelmed by life. And now we pray. But here's the good news. It doesn't matter if we wasn't praying before stuff happened. It doesn't matter if we wasn't praying when stuff was happening. God is just concerned that we just started praying overall. God is just, God just cares about the fact that we were starting to pray. And we just started praying. Doesn't matter when we started praying. Doesn't matter where we started praying. God is just appreciative of the fact that now we are praying. He's in the belly of the fish. Theologians been trying to figure out how in the world did Jonah survive in the belly of a fish so that he didn't get eaten by the whale. People have been trying to figure out was he conscious while he was in the belly of the fish. Well, he had to be conscious in the belly of the fish and he began to cry out and pray to God while he was in the fish. But many people miss the miracle of the fact of just even while he's in the belly of the whale because of things that he has done. He finally takes ownership for his actions but we miss the shouting point of the story is that God being so sovereign never allowed for the whale to be able to eat him. The whale could have been hungry. We don't know what was going on. We don't know if he had other options, but all we know is that God was gracious enough that he did not allow for the whale to eat him. That's a good place for somebody to be able to shout that even though you may be, you may have been overwhelmed, that God never allowed for that thing to take you out, but he preserved you and he kept you in the midst of it. Why? Because he has a call and a purpose for your life and he will do by any means necessary to do what needs to be done to make sure that you're whole and you're well so that you can be able to do what God has called for you to do. God knows where to get our attention. Here it is, saints of God. Isolation isn't always for correction, but sometimes it's for protection. Isolation is not always because you did something. Isolation can be used by God to protect us. Protect us from who? Protect us from ourselves. 
protect us from ourselves, from delaying us fulfilling the call and the purpose that God has for our life. I like Jonah's prayer. But you look at chapter 2, Jonah began to pray. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wind and stormy waves. Then I said, oh, Lord, you have driven me, you have driven me from your presence. Yeah, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Here it is. Jonah's disobedience to God causes him to feel separated from God. He uses the words and, 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 and says that you, he says, then Lord, he says, then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. No, 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 no. You have driven yourself from his presence. By deliberately disobeying God and doing the exact opposite of what God has said to do. He says, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was in prison in the earth whose gate locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, snatch me from the jaws of death. Can you just picture with your sanctified imagination for a moment that Jonah is just sitting there chilling in the pit of the belly's well? And he just starts thinking about stuff. He just starts recounting things in his life. He begins to poetically just share how he feels right now. But I love it, I love it, I love it because when you get to the latter part of verse 6, even everything that he says about how he felt separated from God, I love the latter part of verse 6. He says, but you, oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on turn their backs on God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifice. Some versions say to thank, uh, sacrifice of thanksgiving to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out unto the beach. God has him there. And the belly of the whale to get his full and undivided attention. God has a way of isolating us so that we can be able to hear him. God has a way of isolating us so that we can be able to see him. God has a way of isolating us so that he rids us of any other options to be able to see that we find ourselves at a point that the only one that we can be able to cry out to and hold on to is nobody but God. Jonah is there. He realizes I'm here because of my actions. I'm here because of my choices. He says, but you Oh, Lord, have snatched me from the jaws of death. He realizes that it is God that has been preserving him. Even while he's in the well, that all God had to do was, make him, was to give the well the sign and Jonah could have been out of here. But he preserved his life and showed that he was God over the well despite what was going on in his life so that he could be able to preserve him so that he could be able to fulfill and do what God had called for him to do. I like the latter part of, the, uh, of chapter 2 because Jonah begins to thank God. He began to praise God because Jonah realizes, he realizes that even here in the belly of the well, I realize God is giving me a second chance to to be able to make this thing right. Jonah realizes God is giving me another opportunity to be able to 
make right what I've made wrong. And here it is, saints of God. God is giving you and I another opportunity to be able to get this thing right, to be able to get this thing together, to be able to obey and to fulfill the will and the mission that he has for our lives. There is nothing you can do, nothing you can say, no attitude that you can have that will stop God from fulfilling the mission and the plan that he has for your life. Oh, that's good news right there. Doesn't matter where you go, he'll find you. Doesn't matter where you hide, he'll find you. He will come to right where you are and he will remind you, I have purpose for your life. I don't care if you're in a crack house. He will come and find you and remind you, this is not who I call and ordained for you to be. He'll find you wherever you are and remind you, I have a plan. I have a purpose for your life. That's the reason why he's been preserving you. That's the reason why you've made it through everything that you have gone through, everything that you have experienced. That's the reason you are yet still here today. That's why you have lost your mind that's why you're not in Anna that's why you're not in jail God has been preserving you God has been keeping you all together when your world around you has been turned upside down it's been God that's been keeping your mind it's been God that's been keeping your heart it's been God that's been holding your life together when everything was cracking around you he was not just preserving your life to say that you made it he was preserving your life so that you could go and fulfill his will for your life Thank God for another chance. Thank God for your mercy. Thank God for your grace. Thank God for your long suffering. Thank God for your kindness that you have extended time and time again to me. If Jonah can thank God from the belly of a fish, What's our problem that we can't thank God with the freedom that we have and showing appreciation to God for giving us another chance? Gave him another chance. While he's there, the belly of the fish, he, he gets himself together and verse 10 says that God called for the whale to spit him out. I love it because that's the just mother algae. But God knew that Jonah was ready. God knew that Jonah had learned his lesson. But God knew that Jonah had repented and that he was ready to fulfill God's plan and purpose for his life. That he spit him out. Could it be could it be, could it be that the storm you're in could cease if you would just surrender? Could it be that all could be calm and well, Brother Frazier, if we would just surrender and say, yes, Lord. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to go and preach to these wicked people. He didn't want to go and preach to these people of a different race. <laughs> he didn't want to go and fulfill God's plan. But God knew how to get his attention. God knew where, what he had to allow to go on in his life to get him to surrender. Let me tell you this, can't nobody break you down like God can. Can't nobody get you on your knees with your hands up to surrender but God. But I've learned there's always wise of me to go ahead and surrender voluntarily instead of allowing God to have to break me. Could it be that your storm could cease if you just simply surrender the will and your plans to God? I believe 
Noah's, Jonah's Thanksgiving was twofold. He was thankful to God that gave him another chance. But I got to believe he was thankful that God saved his life. God interrupted his plans. He going to go somewhere else. But God reversed that thing around to get him back on track. Everywhere Jonah tried to go, God was already there. Everything Jonah tried to do, God was already in the midst of it. He preserved his life because he had a call on his life. Your storm could possibly cease if we could just surrender. Trying to fight God in pursuit of our own will versus his will is a never-ending battle. You will never win. Our arms are not long enough. He has the advantage of using nature in the world and everything else around him. <laughs> All we got is Facebook and Twitter. We will never win in a boxing match against God. What's stopping us from saying, yes, Lord? What's stopping us from surrendering our all to him? What's stopping us from dying to our will and accepting his will? Could it be that our storm could possibly cease if we would just learn to say, yes, can you imagine Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Sweating so that he begins to sweat drops of blood. He looks into the cup and he sees us. He sees our sins. He sees all of our stuff. And he asked the Father, honestly, if it be your will, come on, can you remove this cup? He keeps praying. And finally, he surrenders and says, not my will, but your will be done. What's stopping you? From saying yes to him. What's stopping you from allowing God to have full reign and control in your life? What else does he have to do? How many more rockings can you take? How long do you have to be in time out before you say yes? Why are we so stubborn and hard-headed? Against a God that only wants the best for us. Come to realize that sometimes we realize that along with that best is some experiences and, and mountains and valleys that we have to go through that we say, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh I see where this is going. And we see now, but we can't see what's on the other side, Sister Baker. We see the struggle now, but we don't see the testimony at the end. We don't see the victory on the other side. A simple yes and surrender could possibly calm the storms in our life. And we just say yes, Lord. Lord, I don't like it, but I say yes. Lord, it doesn't feel good, but I say yes. Lord, it doesn't sound good, but I say yes. Because I know the plans that you have towards me is for me to prosper and not to do me any harm. 
I know that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I know that you'll stick closer than any friend or brother. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray, God, that we can mature to a place to say yes and to surrender our all to you. I pray, God, that you will help us to get our pride out the way. pray, God, that you will allow us to get our comfort out of the way. Uh, I pray, God, that you will remove us out of the way, Father God, so that we can do and walk into what you desire for us. I pray for the one right now, God, that's struggling to even say thank you. because of how life is right now, God. Not agreeing with everything on your terms, God. I pray now in the name of Jesus that despite how it is, despite how it feels, God, that they can say yes to you, Lord. That they can say yes to you, Father. They can say yes to you, Lord. They can say yes and trust and know, God, that you will give grace, that you will give mercy, that you will give all that's needed for the journey, Father. I thank you now. 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 That collectively, Lord God, we say yes to you. Yes to your will. Yes to your way, God. Yes to what you desire to do. Yes to how you want to do it, Lord. Yes to your terms, oh God, even when it doesn't match up with our own. That we say yes to you, God. And we thank you for another chance, another opportunity, oh God, that you have given us to be able to make right what we made wrong, God. Thank you for being so gracious and kind to us. And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, clap those hands, clap those hands.